Okay, oh okay, God, let's my... let's hit it and then quit it. Hold on, dude. Hold on. Oh, I was <clears> about <throat> to hit it. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. I am Mike Salavari, and joining me today, we've got Cookie Monster FL, Austin Zetsman. Good evening, Cookie. Good morning, mate. <laughs> Here we are, trying to be all smooth, and you're like, hey, good morning, mate. Um, there you go. We haven't done this in a little while. We haven't done just an episode between you and me for a little while, so this is going to be nice. It's going to be nice and yeah. just intimate. Just the two of us. Yeah, we didn't we didn't have enough intrigue and and political uh, back and forth and <laughs> uh, almost like political sports team esque choose a side and constantly bash the other kind of deal. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we had enough of that. Now all of a sudden we have. So there we go. Yeah, Sorry. exactly. Um. So I thought today what would be a good thing to do is because we've kind of ignored the actual news in sports cars since this whole hiatus has happened. I think we should just address that now that we're starting to come out of the back end of it. So uh, in the last few months, of course, everything's just been cancelled. We've just cancelled 2020, just write it off. Um, But now things are starting to return to maybe some level of normality or at least a planned return to level of normality. So in the last two or three weeks, we've had the ACO, IMSA, SRO, and a few other organizations uh, release provisional calendars for the rest of the year. Um, So I think it'd be a good idea to just sort of talk about that, talk about uh, what we think about what's going to happen for the rest of the year. So you're on board with this, Cookie? There's a lot to talk about. So hopefully hopefully we can keep this under like... An eight-hour race. Let's say that. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure we'll be done by in eight hours. I, I mean, All I right. hope we're going to be done in eight hours because I think you might have to go to <laughs> work a at lot, that point. Man. There's just there's there, yeah. Well, no, no. But a quick nap would help a, a, after that. But <laughs> I'll set a timer well before that. Don't worry. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so where do we want to start? Where do we want to start? Well, I mean, we can first kind of i mean obviously the calendars changed because of everything um because you know if you haven't heard already sports car racing and motorsport in general and sport um, in general, usually it's a uh, yeah yeah it's a uh, it's a fan-based kind of entertainment industry that travels to uh, especially in endurance racing travels to different countries and different continents uh it visits lots of different people who gather in large groups uh, and that is uh, a lot of uh, red flags for things like pandemics, uh, especially when a lot of the world is dealing with it right now. So um, from that perspective, it makes sense to delay or postpone some of these things. And we'll get into that. But um, I think first off, the WC returning to a calendar year format uh, mm. would be the first thing to discuss just from the onset of repercussions maybe of this of this at this you know, a world event that's going on or, and, or, uh, the WC deciding to change. Um, cause I think that's a, that's a very interesting change that I was not expecting at all. Um, I'll just say that for sure. Okay. Uh, just be, just because I, I thought that it was, I think it was a good fit and the way that it was going to do kind of like, there was an incentive to that. And I think for a lot of motorsports fans, you know, we debate kind of what is the biggest race of the year um, and where to kind of slot that. And so for like NASCAR, you have at the beginning, IMSA is at the beginning, 
uh, WC for a while was in the middle. Now it was at the end, and now it's going to go back to the middle. Mon- uh, uh, Monaco for, for Formula One's in the middle. Indy cars in the middle. The middle. Yeah. So you know, but you can and in Bathurst, um, that's you know, towards that kind the of end. Thing. Yeah, but not at, right. at the end. Yeah. But would it be an advantage to go at the end? Would it be an advantage to go at the beginning? That kind of thing. Mm. Um, especially for endurance racing, I think there was an argument to be made that the current format is unique and it can definitely provide an advantage for um, the championship in general and you know to solidify more like attendance and kind of grow a series. So yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think backtracking on that is an interesting get. I would. I'm not sure. Did we get any? clarification from Navu as to why that well, was done i don't it, believe so was it it was uh it, there was a little bit of clarification you basically said due to the economic impact of trying to change regulations you know the you remember you know in a month's time we were meant to be seeing the last lmp1 race it was meant to be lm uh lmd sorry lmh from this september so now with with all the delays um with all the cancelled events uh it kind of makes sense to delay the start of a new season to the beginning of 2021 um which is what uh Navo said and what fion said as well um so they that's one of the reasons they rearranged the calendar so if you've, you're out of the loop the ca- new calendar is um spa in mid-august uh, the six hour uh september 2019 and 20 will be 24 hours le mans and then november the end of the season at bahrain november 21 and then the start of the next season back with possibly they're saying super sebring uh for the 2021 season so i i uh, it, it kind of See, I, I don't necessarily agree that the the winter format for the WEC was a better format, but that's probably just due to the fact that we only got really one season of it. We, you know, we had the super season from 2018-2019, uh, and then we had this season, which has been completely adjunct in the middle of it. So it, it, it's kind of hard to tell whether or not it would have been the correct thing, but I never really l- liked the idea in the first place. So I, I guess I have an inherent bias against it. So I'm kind of not happy, but content with the swap back to a calendar year. I just think it makes it a little neater in in the in the whole world of motorsports that the WC adheres to a calendar year format. But that's just me though. So yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised given the circumstances, but it would have been interesting to see the experiment roll on for a little longer. Um, yeah, I think convergence also plays into it. Too, yeah, that's which that too. Is, you know, it would be difficult to um, with introducing new uh, manufacturers, new teams, works teams, whatever um, machinery updates. Um, it keeps the LMP2 kind of that you can introduce everything at a consistent basis, and then. You know, Asian Le Mans series will be the exception, but they mm. kind of play the lower end of all the count cal- of all the championships and series anyway. So um, they don't need to adopt all the newer machinery. So yeah, I so I, I do see where this is. This is definitely better for probably cost wise too on some of these manufacturers. Um, but I, I definitely think there. Were, it, it's kind of like the Nissan thing where it's just like I, I think we didn't spend enough time to see if it was proven or unproven. Yeah. Um, but I mean, hey, if this if this is going to save some teams from you know having to make tough choices, 
or make this easier for other teams to justify spending for still going in sports car racing, then I'm all for it. So, which it sounds like it kind of is a little bit. So, yeah. And, uh, and we'll yeah, uh, something I've just found from uh, uh, a quote from Richard Mille, uh, he says, bearing in mind the economic implications of the crisis and the impact on the industry, delaying the start of next season until 2020 is the right thing to do, giving competitors enough time to regroup ahead of the following campaign. So that's, that's, pretty much the reason that they've given is you know giving people giving teams time to sort themselves out to be ready for a new season instead of pushing the season on to the competitors and saying you know you have to be ready by this day instead it's like okay we're giving you the time to to evaluate and get get your shit together basically yeah absolutely um, interesting to note, though, with the the calendar changes. Firstly, uh, this is all not set in stone yet. There's still the the um, subject to modification on all these calendars. Um, but secondly, due to restrictions uh, in Belgium and also throughout much of Europe, including France, there is a non-zero possibility, in fact, almost a likelihood, that at least Spa Francorchamps could be run behind closed doors. Now. What are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts about running WEC and ELMS events and IMSA events and for uh, any sort of motorsport events? What are your thoughts on running these events behind closed doors? Um, totally, totally fine with it. Okay. Well, why is um, that? Uh, I mean, realistically, you know... I, a lot of this is just an argument of, of whether or not, you know, whether or not this entertainment industry, which is what this is ultimately. And so, you know, safety first for this industry is a must. But at the same time, too, it's an it is kind of what the livelihood is of a lot of these people that are involved in it. And it's not necessarily from a selfish point of view, but it's more of like a, just from a stability point of view, like, you know, the ball has to start rolling again at some point yep. so it, it, and obviously if there is an uptick and you have a, a, a second wave or outbreak or whatever that's occurring in a local area then we you have to take matters more seriously and more swift action uh closer to the date but i think for right now if you start to see a, um, a more flattened curve Motorsport in general can be handled in a way that is much, much, much safer in terms of spreading, um, you know, germs, that kind of thing. And you can really restrict, like, basically that physical body contact between individuals a lot easier in motorsport than I think a lot of other uh, sports, uh, sports yeah. in general. So <clears throat> I just think that in, you know, take everything away and, and, and regardless of what has already currently happened we do have racing that is already going on right now that's returned to somewhat you know just without fans yep like that there is an argument to be had that you can open that up quite quite uh early if you want um if you take the right precautions so and it certainly seems like peep you know the series that are opening back up uh with no fans are doing it in a manner that they're they're at least trying they're making an attempt so um yeah, I, I think it's doable. And by that time, we will have quite a bit of racing already in our pockets. And there might be a controversial race or two that already has fans in the stands. Mm. So um, there's going to be a public pressure that's going to that's going to eventually start turning on some of these series to start opening and running and making sure these run. And I think for August and Spa, I think that's perfectly within 
the concept of you know believing i guess at yeah. this point that it'll go yeah so yeah i i mean imsa is going to be going up in july so yeah, we'll talk about imsa in a second um because i think that'll tie in very nicely to what's happening in my end of the world in australia as well with what's happening with the v8 supercars uh but I, I I do agree, actually, that there is some worth to running these events behind closed doors in terms of the fans, um, because it is cheaper to run from an economic standpoint as well. Like you don't need to worry about you know fan security or uh, amenities, etc., etc., etc. You can just run it with your marshals, your team members, and some media. Um, but on the other hand, part of the experience. Uh, that you get from being at the track is something that's definitely going to be missed. Having the fans at the track also is going to be missed. Um, and let's not forget the the economic implications for the teams. You know who are trying to activate their products. You know the the Toyotas, the Porsches, the 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 Ferraris. You know that's something that they're now going to be losing by not having anyone there to sort of activate their product to um which is a bit of a shame but i i guess in in the way that the world is going at the moment it's one of those bitter pills you kind of have to swallow um it's it's i mean you're taking a hit yeah exactly and that's and that's and that's where it's i there will definitely and we'll and we'll get more into teams that will probably not show up for a while and or might not show up anymore because of this but I think um, in general, before it was kind of like, okay, racing will be will be dealt a unique blow. Um, when in fact, I think more or less racing right now has a unique position where mm. they'll be dealt a blow, and it will probably be more impactful than other sports and other stuff. But they have a unique opportunity to steal a little bit of spotlight and to steal a little bit of attention, even though they're not going to regain this lost revenue. They're not going to get back the things that they're lost. And some of these teams will probably fold because of this. Um, you know, there's still that opportunity for this sport to showcase itself to mm. new, a new audience and a new fan base, or just a, or just an audience that doesn't have anything else to do and watch. And maybe they are interested in that. And it's just you. All you need is just to plant a seed. That's all we have been advocating for the last few years too. So, well, we've already um, seen we've already seen some of that uh, already through the last few months. I think um, part of the fact that racing is so easy to pour onto an online environment with motorsport simulators, iRacing, Automobilista, you know, R Factor, Assetto Corsa, etc., etc. All of these things have done massive work in keeping the racing world ticking over. And I think, especially in Australia, the V8 Supercars E-Series has really kept the the public eye on racing because it's been able to manufacture a product which is similar enough to the real product to keep people on board. And because there's no other sport going on at the moment, it's getting like a nightly news slot uh, talking about what's happening in the, in the E-Series. So we've already seen a, a great uptick in sim racing coverage, uh, which might translate once this is all over to an uptick in real racing coverage and a an uptick in a fan interest in in sports car racing and other forms of racing around the world so it could definitely happen yeah i mean we'll, we'll you know it's just kind of a wait and see aspect mm. to it but I, I i think um race fans should should you know be advantageous with this opportunity a little bit in terms of how they how they introduce you know, I, or or just I, you know, not even introduced, but just kind of like how they kind of deal with all this stuff kind of going on. But at the same time, you know, 
it, it, we're still dealing with a pandemic. And so like, mm. that should always be the top priority at this point is just like, we just don't need etiquette on our face. This doesn't need any, you know, we don't need to rush into anything and everything is subject to change and should, you should keep your head on a swivel, that kind of thing at yeah. this point. Um, and I would not be surprised if we do get major changes just because of local laws or local stuff going on um, that might still restrict it or just uh, the governing body not feeling that they're still ready. So um, that would not surprise me either. Yeah. Uh, but I, 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 again, I think even, even then, like it is absolutely doable to hold a race, um, conduct a race, especially behind closed doors and it being a, you know, a safe environment for everybody involved with it. Um, and you're losing a lot with the, with the fans not being there, but I think you, you do gain it back in a unique way that you probably won't get again for a very long time, if ever. So, yeah. And, that, um, and that's, yeah. that's, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. So it'll be interesting to see how these events go. And remember, we're talking about, at least in the case of, pardon me, at least in the case of WEC, we have literally three months until that point. That's 90 days. We could see so many changes in that time we could see a vaccine we could see eradication we could see another way we could see more cancellations we could we don't know what's going to happen that far out so it it could be it could be anything at this stage that might uh might happen um for the next wec round um in interesting look at the wc calendar uh a change to put bahrain as the season closer which has actually extended rebellion's involvement to that november date um because they were of course planning to give it away after le mans so they'll be there for the finale um but let's take a bit more of a focus at le mans a september le mans it will be the first time that we've had a le mans event in september since uh, a 24 hours of Le Mans event in September, since the 1967 Le Mans, uh, which was due to worker strikes uh, during the month of June. So they moved it to September. A uh, few things to note about that. It'll be an earlier start time. So it'll start at, I believe, 1.30 local or 2.30 local, as opposed to 4 p.m. local, which was originally going to be planned. Um, we're going to be seeing a lot more running in darkness because it will be heading towards winter as opposed to the peak of summer. Uh, and we have already seen at this early stage five cars pulled from the entry list. Um, which issue do you want to tackle first, Cookie? Um, let's start uh, pretty much what you were starting saying first. Let's do Lamar first and then we'll, uh, the date change and then we'll talk yep. about provision. So, so Lamar in September, normally we see it in the middle of June, long summer days in June. Uh, you see pretty much twilight all the way through to midnight and then sunrise at about 5.30 in the morning. Uh, that's going to be changed to be almost... Uh, almost parity i i think it's almost going to be 12 hours of darkness along with 12 hours of light uh do you see that being an, a factor for for teams racing at le mans uh, that extent of darkness um yeah it's it looks like it'll be about about half it'll be about 12 hours mm. of light 12 hours of darkness so um that seems to be what it's going to run out to so much more darkness so <clears throat> you'll get Better performing engines, so you might get more higher peaks of performance, uh, maybe more stresses, uh, higher end on the engine that you might not normally find. It's going to be cooler temperatures in general. So, uh, But again, I think the teams will be able to kind of compensate for that. Um, I think it not being so hot, you're going to see a lot. 
you're going to just see faster times in general. Um, the ability for teams to sandbag are going to be pretty high, um, I'd imagine. Um, so I would not be surprised if we see uh, adjustments um, and or pace that is pretty crazy um, yep. different and might call into question some stuff. Like I said, I mean, it's it's not anything we want, but it you know teams are going to try to find any advantage they can and the conditions are going to be pretty unique and it'll be interesting to see kind of how they try to do because i don't think there's going to be a test day is there or are they going to do uh, uh just everything in a week is what the plan is i guess not there is a an additional um additional practice session for Le Mans, definitely so we'll have two practice sessions and then i'm not sure if they're reverting back to the previous qualifying format as well because remember the qualifying was meant to change to some super pole format uh again uh for this year um i'll actually just go and take a quick little look-see to try and find out a bit more information about that um but yeah we could definitely see um i'm I'm not sure if there's actually the test day uh booked in for it which is which is going to be very weird to to not have a test day uh two weeks ahead of le mans yeah i mean it'll be kind of similar to how nascar has been doing it where it's almost just kind of they'll they line them up by points have them take an extra two, you know, double or triple the amount of installation laps they do and then send them on their way. Like we're, I, you know, there, there's an aspect to that. And I think the way that everything is going to run down is that they're really only going to have that amount of time to run the race and get it all in, especially with TV um, and all this stuff that they've kind of got arranged. So I would not be surprised if this is only about a week that they have and it's a two week process for build up and tear down for this. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge. And again, it's going to be up to kind of the local government to really put, um, to really have the last say on it. Mm. So, I mean, right now, currently in the, in the region of Le Mans, there's 463 cases total of coronavirus with 75 deaths. So, um, not a lot in comparison to what uh, is on average for a lot of the other areas. But yeah. again, it's something to keep in mind. That's going to be something to take a look at. I, I would not be surprised if a lot of teams have people that are checking on, on COVID cases to see uh, if there's any massive fluctuations of that, because that will ultimately tell whether or not this goes on in September yeah, or at absolutely. all. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, just to confirm what you were saying earlier, uh, no test day. There's an additional five hour practice session on the Wednesday and uh, scrutineering, you know, the, the presage that we've normally seen the week prior is only going to be on Sunday and Monday. So you've got Sunday and Monday scrutineering, uh, a five-hour free practice followed by a two-hour free practice on Wednesday. Um, and then they've got, uh, yeah, they've still got the hyperpole section uh, involved. So that's still, they're still sticking with that. Um, but yeah, they've condensed the entire project into a week basically so it's going to be very very different in terms of how Le Mans is going to be run this year um what about uh the the what was the other things I was saying about what were the other issues <laughs> I've completely forgotten well I, I I like I I know I, I always beat this drum but it's a public you know it takes place on public roads mm. so this isn't like how NASCAR is doing it where they're being able to bring people back immediately and I, I think even if there was more elevated cases where you could have some controversy to it, which there isn't right now. So good that we don't, but if there was 
like it's still private property from that sense where they can yeah. just have people arrive there. They can do all their things, close course, all that stuff. Like Lamar requires the local government to cooperate and shut everything down and to allow the, the track to basically form itself. So like Lamar outside of any other track right now, and most of the events that you can do in motorsport where it's almost kind of a no brainer, if you can just get the people there, Lamar requires that, local support and requires them to block everything and, yeah. and seal that stuff off. So that like I, I you we have to make we have to make sure that everybody understands like Lamont is a question mark, I would say almost until like two or three weeks before the race is scheduled. Just because it's like if anything starts to go wrong locally there, they will I I cannot see how they don't yank that pin. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that would be that would be a massive shame to to have to to pull the pin on one of the longest running sports car races in history. But at the end of the day, public health has to come first. An interesting note about the Le Mans date: it's actually the same weekend as the planned final stage of the Tour de France uh, for twenty twenty, seeing as the Tour de France has been delayed as well. That's going to be a very busy time in France, if that's the case. <laughs> that, I mean, very interesting with the Tour de France like that. I mean, like the, the Pelotons are going to be the same, right? I think. Are going to like try to separate the Pelotons? I, I, like, so you, 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 you can't. Bike racing, as it stands, doesn't function without that big Peloton. So you can't really do the distancing thing. Unless you run every stage as an individual time trial, which would just be a mess. Yeah, that's true. I mean, realistically, like, man, that I would have, I would not feel at all confident that that would take place unless, you know, everything kind of goes very, very smoothly and, and mm. cases stay low and all that stuff. Then I could see it. But like, man, that is that I would think is way more controversial than like whether or not just as a sidebar there's a few people who are a uh, uh, feature on the podcast and also very involved in watching cycling in our discord room and uh, uh, Reddit, uh the subreddit as well um it's very interesting watching how cycling has been handling this compared to how motorsport has been handling all the delays um some of the things that the the aso the cycling foundation have been talking about sound completely ridiculous when compared to what's happening on the aco side and that sort of stuff it's just a really interesting uh dichotomy of how the two organizations are really uh going about this at the moment so uh, it's 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 really it's fascinating to watch because uh the way that the because of course you know the way that the tour de france works is you get people you go through the entire country of france basically you get all these people from the towns coming and lining the streets and yeah and not to mention the massive caravan that follows the tour you know of fans spectators and team members as well so it's going to be uh very interesting to see how that plays out in three or four months time um yep Anyway, back to back to racing. Um, importantly and unfortunately, we've already lost five cars from the Le Mans entry list at this stage. Uh, one of them being the SRT Forty One uh, innovative technology car, the car that was meant to be driven by three uh, d- physically disabled people, or or people missing limbs, or paraplegics, yeah. etc. Um, which is I would really say physically disabled is a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah okay. Sure. Um, and then we've lost two teams of pro cars from America. So Core Autosports announced that they would not be taking their two Porsche 911 RSRs to Le Mans, and uh, Corvette Racing 
also announced that they would not be taking their new C8Rs to Le Mans. And that ends a streak of 20 years of Corvette racing the Pro Class at Le Mans. So since the year 2000, they've been there every single year. And this will be the first time that they haven't raced in the Pro Class at Le Mans uh, for 20 years. Now, yeah, as an American, Cookie, uh, how does this make you feel? Are you going to be uh, missing missing that, that American representation? I mean, yeah. It's... <laughs> They're, 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 I mean, yeah, well, I, you know, they're a huge staple to Le Mans. So they're, if they're not there, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be awful Yeah. <laughs> in, in that regard. Cause you just, they're, you know, they're a part of Le Mans history and um, to be in it this long is kind of, you know, is always a hat tip and, and, and whatnot. And you're going to get a crowd favorite. So to not have them is, is a bummer, but it makes sense. Um, I think that this makes this has nothing you know this is probably like you know this is the this is the like the best that you're going to ever take like uh, a team withdrawing from an event because usually if they're withdrawing from an event it's usually not good it's not it never follows anything good unless you know like they're doing something or there's a unique case so for this it's kind of like it's understandable they're going to be back they're probably gonna be like yes this allows us to just even just troubleshoot the car for this entire year yeah we get short races to try it all uh, you know we get two sebring races to test the car out like this is just an extra testing for them yeah so like it, you know for me this has been this is just a super like optimistic like you know that sucks but hey what are you gonna do makes sense mm. you know go get them next year that kind of thing like Lamar should be back in june next year if everything goes all right we'll see so yeah now know, we already made it this far <laughs> yeah uh the question i wanted to pose to you is uh both core and corvette have said that logistical issues and financing is going to be is the reason they've pulled the cars now the gte pro class for Le Mans at this stage is going to be Two Porsches from Manti, two AF Corsa Ferraris, two Aston Martin Racing uh, Aston Martins Vantages, and Risi Competizione is the last remaining additional car. What do you reckon are the chances for Risi to make the trip? Um, if they can get the drivers there, they might work with Ferrari to get or AF Corsa to get something together. Uh, team wise or supply wise, the back end wise, um, where they could still compete because obviously Corvette, they got to ship the cars there and mm. Porsche seems to be the same way, especially with the, or, or maybe with the core thing, there's a lot of like where it's core themselves in the, in the backing that they've got yep. on their end to race at Le Mans. So there's a little bit of that so that they're not, they're not using any of the actual factory stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I I think those ones make sense, um, but you know, so I could obviously see Reezy not doing it either, and probably leaving it open is a good idea just for now because you just why not? Yeah. Um, I but I could also see where they can make it to, where they can just they can make things work and get their drivers there and get enough people there to make it uh, happen and get Ferrari to help because that's they've gotten help before for me, of course, uh, and you know Ferrari to an extent too. So. Um, I wouldn't count them out yet, but mm. I would also kind of, I don't, I would also kind of write them out. Anybody from the U S is going to be pretty hard pressed to get over here unless the car is already over here. And most yeah. of the team is based here. And it's just a, you know, it's, it's a U.S. team by the driver and, and, or ownership, that yeah. kind of thing. So. Okay. 
And the advantage that maybe the Ferrari has is that you can upgrade a 488 GT3 to a GTE car. Um, so that means that they can quite feasibly pick a GT3 car that's already in Europe and build it up to be a, a, a GTE without having to ship one over, um, which I don't think... Well, the Porsches definitely can't because they have to move the entire engine. And the Corvettes, there aren't any GT3 C8s. So yeah, I, that that is a definite possibility. So we could, we could see Reese make the trip. Um, what this has done is that's opened up five spots from the reserve list to take places at Le Mans. So firstly, uh, the, the first three cars on the list, on the reserve list, are the number 55 Spirit of Race Ferrari, which would be Duncan Cameron, Matt Griffin, etc. Great ad. Yeah, that's, that's a great ad. We were expecting them to, to be, get given a slot at some stage because that's a, that's a great team. Um, then the number four by Collars uh, LMP1 car will make the list um, with Tom Dillman as the name driver. And then a second IDEX Sport Orica 07 in LMP2 um, with Patrice Lafargue, the first name driver. Um, the source I'm reading from Daily Sports Car have said that the the Ferrari and the Orica are shoe-ins, so they're ready, they can go, and they can do it. Um, the Bicolors has a bit of a question mark around it, whether or not they can get together. But still, that's three three impressive names to come from the entry list straight away. Yep. Or at least how like more known names. Importantly, the four is an LMP one, yeah. Um, and the GTM entry is a fantastic get. Um, so yeah, like all of these are are solid. I mean, I would most of the most of the teams on the reserve list they have a good story to them, or they're a solid entry, or they should be a good class filler, that kind of thing, or just an interesting storyline. So. Yeah. Yeah, for the most part, just yeah, if anybody fall off, like it'll be it'll be unfortunate. But there's there's a few more left on this list that that'll take the spot, and I, it'll be fine. Mm. Like it'll be a good storyline or a good race, nonetheless. And and it's and it's not like the reserve list is lacking quality either. Uh, now the next two cars that are going to be promoted with Corvette pulling out are the high class racing Orica 07, which was meant to be the Magnuson Magnuson uh, car. So that's get, gotten its promotion to the, the main list. And the number 78 Proton Competition GTEM car, so a second GTEM car. Now, I wonder if uh, they might try and squeeze some of the drivers that have ste- would have been in the pro car into one of the AM cars like that. So maybe your Julian Andlaus, your Matt Campbells, try and squeeze them into an upgraded uh, and a, a Proton Competition AM car because um, that's going to be on the list now at this stage uh, for for them. Oh, yeah. It's going to be, yeah, like for sure. And especially like some of the ones on the bottom. And again, like with Magnuson too, that it's going to be a great storyline just from what how he departed Corvette last year, um, you know, and then obviously more GT AMs and then the, uh, I see the 27, I don't know how that would work because that again, it's, it's US. So we'll yeah. put a question mark on that. But again, you just work down the line. There's, um, there's even some Asian Lost series entries uh, in here as well, I believe, right? Yep. Um, so D station racing, which is the last one, the entry list is an Asian Le Mans series entry and i guess into you could count into europol as kind of asian one series sort they definitely of. completed uh, competed in the asian one series yes but that car yes. is listed more as a i think a european le mans series kind of car because so it's got nigel moore which was the lmp3 driver um behind the wheel um so some interesting names still on that reserve list so you mentioned dragon speed will be the next pickup then the number 60 iron links 
uh, Ferrari, so with um, Schiavone, uh, Pianazzola, and Pacini. And then, as you mentioned, into Europol, then a second team Project One car, and then the D-Station Racing Aston Martin. So there's five more spots on that reserve list uh, that are looking for rides. Um, yeah, so interesting times for the Le Mans entry. Are there anyone that off the top of your head that you're thinking might drop out of the the Le Mans story? Is there anyone that you can that that comes to mind immediately? Uh, I mean, obviously anybody U.S. based. So, um, uh, you know, with with cars that are probably located in the U.S. Uh, would be questionable. Um, but exclusions would definitely be like WeatherTech Racing. I mean, if if we think Crone is going to eye this up again, I would assume those two guys can probably, you know, just get a chassis, acquire it somehow, some way in, uh, in Europe and get it over there. Because really, it's just kind of like as long as you got if you can find a team, if you can scrangle up team, cause you know, there'll, there'll be opportunities for people to do stuff and want to just, you know, like yeah. be available for things. So I wouldn't be surprised. A lot of these teams are comprised of just, you know, they're not their normal crews. Um, you know, there'll be a possibility that we'll, I think we'll see a, 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 f- uh, a few more of these teams will be there that I think people would think that they wouldn't be in, especially in the AM categories. Yeah. But I don't know. I would think some of the Asian entries might have some issues. Uh, mm-hmm. At least maybe, you know, just supply chains, that kind of thing. Like, like maybe Eurasia, Joda, or, uh, not, or Jackie Chan, maybe yep. something like that. I or wouldn't be surprised. Hub Auto Corsa in GTM. Right, right, mm. right. The thing, too, is that, though, this is a single race. This isn't necessarily a championship. So, yeah. um you know, a lot of these teams have already prepared for this and want to do this. Um, and I think a lot of them will definitely be driving hard to continue trying to do this. Uh, Rick Ware yeah. would definitely stick out to me. That would definitely be one I would not be surprised at all. Uh, scrubs itself. It would um, be a real shame. <laughs> it would be. I would love to. I just want to see the Riley just on track. I don't care if it's terrible. Just get it on track. Have it run <laughs> like. Yeah, because that's what it's supposed to be for, man. We're supposed to have four chassis on, uh, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. On track, so that's a whole other argument. But <laughs> do we want to get into anyway. that? Do we want to subject the listeners to that one again? No, there's like <laughs> there's like eight other podcasts we can probably <laughs> reference that I do that. So I've probably talked about two hours already at length. Yeah. Uh, about that single single topic. Move on. Okay, we'll move on. So interesting times for the Lamont entry list. There's going to be inevitably there's going to be driver shuffles as well. I think especially for the guys Australian based, there are a few clashes with the new V8 supercars uh, uh, calendar, which we'll talk about a little bit briefly at the end of the podcast due to some run on effects into sports cars. Um, Of course, the drivers that have been uh, not cut, but the drivers that are missing out from core provided cars and the vet provided cars might find other rides certainly um but it's going to be an interesting little period as this all settles out to see where everything ends up um unfortunately we've already done a Lamont entry list podcast so everything that we did uh just before all the the lockdowns that are getting put in place is just all null and void as as, as you as it is uh, perfect just as it is every single time we do something on this podcast that's trying to be yeah. a bit ahead of the curve and I might have even also said that that this might not happen, so all of this might just be completely null and void. And uh, and look at where we are. Curious, 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 curious indeed. 
Um, yep. Where do we want to go next? Do we want to stay in Europe or do we want to move over to America? Because we can talk briefly about the European Le Mans series provisional calendar because that's still looking yeah, quite... Yeah, let's do it. Just let's, get okay. that so <laughs> European Le Mans series calendar is looking to kick off in July. The test day will be at Le Castellet uh, in, uh, for the 13th and 14th of July, followed a week later by the first round, two weeks later to Spa-Francorchamps, um, which is, I think... It's not supporting the WEC. It's, in fact, a week ahead of the WEC at uh, at Spa-Francorchamps, which is a little interesting. Um, I guess trying to reduce the amount of people in the paddock. Um, then to Barcelona, three weeks later. Then to Monza, um, after about a break of a month. And then finishing off at Portimao at the 1st of November. Um so unfortunately, that means that Silverstone has been cut from the uh, calendar. Um, so unfortunate for all of our UK-based listeners that uh, they won't be able to see ACO prototype racing this year in uh, in the UK. Um, but still, a five-round calendar hitting a few of the big tracks that we've come to expect from the ELMS. You know, as as far as things go, that's a pretty pretty good uh, run. And remember, of course, in the middle of that is Le Mans as well, which a lot of the ELMS teams will be attending. Um, so what do you make of that calendar? Condensed. Um, I feel like we can say that about I mean, a lot of things that are happening in the world at the moment. It's just going to get yeah, squeezed in. It's a decent amount of rounds. It's a decent amount of rounds, and it's not that crazily condensed of, of it. I mean, uh, talking about here, about, yeah, I mean, about four months getting five rounds in, that's pretty decent. So honestly, I mean, I think the ELMS didn't fare that badly with really a lot of the a lot of the stuff. It's just going to be whether or not a lot of these are going to be with fans or without, mm. and uh, how many teams are still able to do these events. But um, yeah, I mean, comparison to like WC and you know almost like IMSA, where a lot of it's just butchered, and we get we get almost like two times some of these uh, tracks are going to get like. Uh, a normal round and then a shorter round or something like that. Um, this seems pretty normal. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's not actually too bad. I think, as you said, the word of the year is going to be condensed. You know, we're going to see so many series trying to squeeze their full year calendars into six months or less. Um, so it is a little congested to start with, you know, a test a week later, a race, two weeks later, another race, two weeks later, another race, and then you're at Le Mans. Um, but it's not nearly as, as truncated as you might expect. I don't think, um, unfortunately, uh, as we made mention, uh, Silverstone has been cut. Uh, they're probably going to run at least, I'd say probably at least Le Castellet and Spa-Francorchamps behind closed doors, maybe even Barcelona, depending on how things go. But yeah, it's not it's not too bad a series, uh, at least from uh, from a calendar perspective. I wonder though how much the the changes will reduce the car count. Whether or not the 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 economic difficulties and the changes to the calendar mean that teams maybe decide to write off this season and not uh, not jump in because we were seeing something like seventeen eighteen car LMP2 grids alongside 15 LMP3s for the LMS. So it's, it's, we might see a reduction in that. Do you think? Oh, for sure. I think mm. we're, I mean, it'll be reduced condensed. I mean, pick either of the two words. So reduced car counts, like, um, you know, reduced schedules, um, can, you know, re- uh, reduced, uh, race length, that kind of thing too. Mm. Um, at least, why, at again, least, we're the, at least with the LMS, yeah, they're the sticking to four hour races. 
I mean, and that's what they've normally been. So mm-hmm. it's it's really not a departure too much from their normal schedule. Um, again, whereas we'll we'll see a lot of change, and we have already seen a lot of change with other series, like dramatic change. So. Yeah. So uh, ELMS isn't looking too bad at the minute, and if we see the great same great sort of racing we've seen at other rounds of the year, that'll be great. Other other series seasons rather, that'll be great. Um, let's talk now about IMSA because IMSA is one of the series that has made massive changes to its calendar for the for the remainder of the series. So, firstly, um, IMSA is looking at coming back uh, at the beginning of July, July third and fourth, with a two-hour, forty-minute race at Daytona, a short race at Daytona, which I think will be the first time Daytona's held a short race, at least in my memory, uh, for the IMSA series, uh, which is very interesting. Um, two weeks after that, it'll be planning to go to Sebring again for a short race, two hours and forty minutes. And then two hours after, uh, two weeks after that, we'll be at Road America. So three shorter races in very short succession to start off the IMSA season. What are your thoughts on going back to these prestigious racetracks for the IMSA series and not running your landmark event at them? It's it's a, a, a approach to salvage, you know, what you can of what you may think is a season that you could still have most of your major events attended by fans. Mm. So, you know, IMSA is in this position where they have like three to four different championships that run at different times throughout the entire year. Um, the main one obviously being pretty much almost all the, all the events. And then the other one being the NAEC, the North American endurance championship. So um, it makes sense to move Watkins Glen back yep. because um you know, why not? It's one of the four major huge races that draw a ton of fans and a lot of a huge crowds. So if you can try to make it so that you can get fans there, move it. And it's, so and that it's makes in an, sense. yeah, it's in an area as well where there's a lot of population density as well in the New York upstate area. So that you yeah. want fans to be there for that. Yeah. Uh, Sebring, just because they were one of the first to um, have to suspend, postpone and move and try to rework their calendar. They had really first dibs on, um, when they can kind of come back and because they're in central Florida, uh, central Southern Florida, they have the opportunity to just do it whenever. So, um, and it makes sense for them immediately to just push it back to November cause they can take yep. that date. So, um, yeah, all, all these are just, they're sensible changes. Um, I definitely do like that they're going to Daytona, uh, first it's been a while since they've done it. It's, it feels very like the NASCAR ownership that Grand Am was because yep, okay. they did do this a lot. Uh, they did do a ton of rovals and they did do like a two hour, uh, two hour, 40 minute, like three hour, like Grand Am race uh, at Daytona at the night uh, at in July at some point, I think. So this has definitely been a thing that NASCAR has done before. So it is not surprising, but it's definitely like it's cool. Mm. Um, it definitely stinks that I cannot go to Sebring in the middle of July to go watch a race because that would be very unique and interesting. But yeah, other than that, I'm just hopeful that. By October, we get to start seeing more um, like actual uh, spectator events. Yep. Um, um, fingers crossed. If, yeah, definitely fingers crossed. Uh, we'll take a quick look at the rest of the calendar because I think there's a few interesting changes. So uh, we've made mention of Daytona, Sebring, Road America. Then it's off to VIR, Laguna Seca. So VIR, as usual, is a GT only round. Then Laguna Seca, Mid-Ohio in September. So the week after Le Mans. Then it will be... Watkins Glen, uh, the six hours of Watkins Glen, followed two weeks later by Petit Le Mans. 
So two Enduros back-to-back there. Slot in Lime Rock GT only uh, at the end of October. And then, as you made mention of Sebring 12 hours in November. Not running with the WEC. So the WEC, I believe, didn't didn't slash couldn't get over, didn't want to slash couldn't get over to America to tie that in with their finale. Um, so they, they're not running a Super Sebring for this year. Um, Canadian Tire Motorsport Park has been cut from the championship, uh, so they, IMSA won't be going to CTMP. Um, and Long Beach uh, is not going to be run with the IMSA paddock as well. Um, I'm not even sure if Long Beach is going to be run at all. I haven't been keeping track of what's been happening with uh, IndyCar or NASCAR or whatever car that they're running over in America. Um, so a few a few big changes there. What about the the glutton of endurance racing towards the end of the season? You have Watkins Glen, Road Atlanta, and and Sebring within six weeks of each other how do you reckon teams are going to deal with that because that to me as a fan that looks that looks terrifying (laughs) to approach that much endurance racing that quickly yeah it's it's going to be tough for for some of these teams to really have to deal with but you know unfortunately just going to be the nature of the beast that they um you know it's going to be a grind this is going to be tough um if they can handle it and do it better than other teams they can win races that they might not or should have one. Um, so I think a lot of the crews and teams will take this as an opportunity to try to outperform others and to try to take advantage of the situation because yeah, I mean, this is going to be a grueling schedule and people will talk about it and I'm sure, um, things will happen. There'll be crashes. There'll be issues. If this, all this stuff goes down, um, you know, according to schedule, uh, where we, we might see uh, teams withdraw uh, from the mm. next round just because they have to they have chassis damage or they have too much repairs or the logistically it's not possible whatever so yeah everything is going to be very very fluid I mean it's just really I mean NASCAR set the bar so high with just how they're doing how they're trying to kind of re, re you know make up the lost time that they have and will continue to have um, until they kind of come back to a normal schedule that it's kind of like, I mean, I'm not saying that if they can do it, everybody else can, but it's a little bit of like, you know, it seems to be doable. I mean, if mm. you put, if you put your mind to it and we're not doing a whole lot of practice and a whole lot of extra, the, the fluff and rigmarole that you usually have for a race weekend with fans and everything else, like you should be able to do this. Like mm. it, it should be a tear down, tear up, you know, that kind of thing should be a lot quicker, especially when you're, when you understand like, the gravitas of everything you know that kind of thing so i it'll be a grind but i think it'll be something that a lot of the teams will uh try to find opportunity to take advantage of yeah so. well it's you may mention it's going to be a grind i just did some quick maths uh we're going to be seeing 10 rounds of the imsa championship in 20 weeks so there's a, a few gaps in there for you know Le Mans and that sort of stuff, but really they're going to be tearing down, moving, setting up every every two weeks. So as you made mention, uh, crew fatigue, driver fatigue, uh, chassis fatigue are going to be things that play factors in as we go throughout the season. Um, so I think it's going to be if you're a GT, uh, sorry a DPI car, you might uh, have a bit more of a break because there's those few GT only rounds at VIR and Lime Rock, but still it's going to be it's going to be rough rough going if you're a a a spanner in the imsa paddock at the moment 
Yeah. A lot of wrench turning, a lot of wrench turning, mm. and it'll definitely be a lot of sleep deprivation with some of the crews for sure. It's 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 doable, but it's it's going to be tough. So oh yeah, um, another thing that I missed. Uh, also, the Detroit round has been cancelled for IMSA. So uh, no, I don't think that that means there's no street racing at all for the IMSA paddock this season. What do you make of that? Are you a big fan of street racing? As in um, racing on street tracks? Yes. Yes, to a point. Um, you know, as long as it's not taken away from other rounds. I mean, right now we, we've we got pretty much everything covered. I mean, I don't really I don't really care too much for uh Barber Motorsports Park to have that added, but I mean that's really the only notable exception to this that's missing out of the calendar. So You just made I a mean, bunch the, of Canadians very angry. Oh no! Um, no, 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 no! In Alabama, yeah, Barber, yeah, yeah. Uh, but 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 saying saying that uh, oh, Barber is the only okay. notable exception when most sports been cancelled. I think you just made it's particularly Jeb uh, very very angry. <laughs> oh no! I I definitely think like yeah, that would be nice to have back. You know, to have on the calendar, but just like as an aspect of hey, it's a street course. Like that's not a street course. So yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but thinking of like, okay, well, what else could we add calendar wise, even from like the street course aspect, like throw Baltimore in there. I don't care. Like go back to some of these places, as long as we're not nixing anything that's already like set on the schedule that wasn't, you know, already removed and stuff. Yeah. But again, like this is a pretty hefty calendar as it is. I think I'm, you know, I think all the, uh, the current uh, street racing or the, the street courses are fine, but there's, definitely other ones that i wouldn't mind going to as yeah, long as we're fair not enough. um just quickly, more racing, so. uh has indycar or nascar turfed any of their street events because of course long beach and uh detroit are indycar events primarily right so are they still going ahead um not as i'm aware right now a lot of this stuff is postponed i mean yeah. some people are trying to get some of this stuff back um as of a couple like uh, last week uh st pete is trying to do the season finale for indycar so um they're aiming for it looks like october 25th yep um but yeah i'm not sure if they're going to try to do fans for that but it looks like they're going to try to do that date um as the finale for indycar so i don't know about any other ones but they're going to try to put at least one in the calendar still this year yeah fair enough like it might be doable yeah, okay. Because um, what we've seen in Australia, for example, is a lot of the, the uh, street events that we would normally go to, like Newcastle, like, uh, well, Albert Park has already been cancelled. Um, but I think even uh, oh, Townsville has a big question mark over it as well. Uh, and I'm not sure that they're getting to the Gold Coast either. So we're seeing these big name uh, street events being uh, being cancelled because, of course, part of the reason you go to these street events is because you get that almost a captive audience of being in the middle of the city. So without that guarantee, it's a lot more shaky economically to be able to do them. So it's interesting to see that uh, that America is suffering the same sort of thing with their street events not maybe not being as economically viable if you can't get people in the gates. Yeah, and that's and that's why I'm thinking a lot of this. The October 25th stuff is is with the assumption that they'll have uh, spectators. So yeah. I, I, it just doesn't it doesn't seem feasible at all to do this behind closed doors. Mm. Especially, I mean, you know, you can make a justification for it for a close course, but if it's uh, if it's in the if middle it's using of the public town. roads, yeah, yeah, it's 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 got to be like you know, you got to have spectators at it. So. Exactly. 
Yeah. Um. So that's the IMSA Championship. Uh. At, at this point, not really. That that's just going to be hectic from from start to finish. The IMSA Championship. It's going to be ten rounds in twenty weeks. That's crazy. That's crazy condensed. Um. As opposed to the ELMS, which is what, like five rounds in t- three months or four months? Yeah, four. Yeah, five rounds in four months. Crazy, crazy uh, effort to to get all those races together. Um, now, finally, I uh, wanted to take a quick chat about uh, the Supercars Championship because this has run-on effects for the International... Sorry, Intercontinental GT Challenge. So, uh, V8 Supercars released their provisional calendar for the rest of the season only earlier this week. And what piqued a lot of eyes and ears in the, in the sports car world is the fact that... Uh, on February 7th, which is next year's Bathurst 12-hour date, the supercars will be running a event at Bathurst uh, using the Mount Panorama circuit as their season finale. So, that throws up a lot of questions over whether or not we're going to see GT3 there as well, if it's going to be a double header, if this is going to be in lieu of the 12 hours for 2021, what happens to the 12 hours of 2021, you know, there's all these questions thrown up about that, um, and the more you start to think about what's going on um, in terms of logistics and economics of this, the more difficult it becomes. So, firstly, GT3... And supercars at Bathurst at the same time. Doesn't that just sound like an absolute wet dream? <laughs> I mean, I mean, for me it does as an Australian. Uh, like that sounds awesome. But yeah, w- from an international perspective, what do you reckon? Do you like the supercars I mean, that much? I mean, I do, but I'm just kind of like I'm. I, I'm not. I'm not in shock, but I'm just like I don't know. Like, are we sure that's what they mean? Like, are are we sure that that means that they are? They're not trying to do a super Sebring where they're going to do one race uh, one day and then the next day they're going to do the thousand, you know, Bathurst one thousand. Like, are we sure it's not that? Well, it, it's if they do this, I would be so surprised if they had both on track at the same time. I don't think that that's the plan. I think it's going to be. Like I don't a, think so either. Yeah, I think it's going to be a super Sebring type event. Yeah. Okay. But, okay. But, I thought I thought that's where you're going with that. I was like, oh my god. No, well, no, 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 no. Oh it's okay. my god. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, then that that is, I mean, Super Sebring existed. So anything's possible. Um, this is going to be an extraordinary event anyway. So if they need to allocate more space for uh, crews and teams and, and haulers and stuff, then they're going to have to do it. Um, but it, it kind of does make sense to this is this is kind of consolidating all your expenses into one weekend instead of, you know, in, instead of having to rent out all this other stuff the next yeah. weekend. You can you can try to accrue a lot of income in one weekend instead of maybe losing on two weekends. So yeah. we'll see. I, I I think it's doable. Uh, that is going to be one hell of a weekend. Oh yeah. There's the thing is uh, the thing that I'm concerned is uh, that you know okay. So f- firstly, for those who aren't uh, in the in the know with how supercars uh, proliferates throughout Australia. Um, they supercars events the the organization behind the v8 supercars that actually run the events owns the rights to the 12 hours so that's why the 12 hour broadcast package is so good and they get all the good support categories is because the 12 the supercars events holds the rights to the 12 hour um now there's another aspect here another sort of cog in the machine which is that um under contract 
the supercars finale must be held in New South Wales. So traditionally that's been with the street race. You know, we've seen Sydney Olympic Park, we've seen Newcastle, um, but with neither of those events going ahead, with Newcastle being cancelled in particular, um, this is why they've chosen Bathurst as the finale. Now, I've brought up the, the announcement article from the Supercars website, uh, and it says, it's got this little tidbit in the middle of it. As for the current, as for the second Bathurst round, it is not yet clear what portion of GT racing will feature given current international travel restrictions. But uh, Sean Seymour, the, uh, I, who I think is the current uh, operator of Supercars, su- yeah, the CEO, um, Seymour confirmed that Supercars will take a race format to the mountain different to the 1000. Um, so it's that part there, the not clear what portion of GT racing will feature. That's what worries me as a sports car fan. Um, you know, considering, uh, that, you know, this is a supercars run event. I would hate to see GTs get the cold shoulder and be relegated to a three hour race or a six hour race, as opposed to the 12 hour, which has become such a fixture in the international sporting sports car landscape. Um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of very interesting, very difficult uh, balls up in the air around this at the moment, um, and not least of it being like logistics of it. Like, if there's still you know international travel restrictions, if Australia still has borders locked down, how the hell are you meant to get cars, GT cars, into Australia to do this event? Yeah, I mean, it it really is requiring uh, it, it. It needs a requirement of actually have, physically having <clears throat> the the people, equipment, and resources here, like at the track, mm. <laughs> and that really is the question mark that a lot of these uh, series, especially like the international events and the big ones, where you get these international cars, teams, and right and drivers, where can you even get these people here? Like, is it possible to even get this person into this country in order to do, you know, the required work that is needed to run a successful race car team during a race weekend? So, um, yeah, that, that is, it will be the theme. It will just be, do we have enough cars? Like, will will you know, are, are the people that say that they can get in, are they confident they can get in? What's the latest update from them? What, you know, and it's kind of almost just staying up to date with current events and seeing how the pandemic keeps panning out. So, mm. um, you know, whatever pun intended there, but, uh, I, I don't think we'll see that. I, I just think that 12 hours is going to be a 12 hour event and they'll do like a three hour, maybe four hour, like Bathurst race, something like that. And that'll be on the Sunday or a Saturday. It'll just be a yeah. different day to what, the 12 hour race will be your, your right to worry though. I, I would think maybe that there is a chance that we won't have a lot of GT threes or we'll see class structure that will, will, will change to being single classes. We're not going to have a pro am and pro pro. You would just have a well, that's, that's, GT three, that kind of thing. Yeah. The thing that concerns me most is the lack of machinery in Australia. So for those who haven't maybe been keeping up with the Australian GT series, uh, it's really in a very difficult place in the moment. And part of that is that it's very low on entries. And as a result of the the lack of interest in the series, it means there's very little GT3 machinery in Australia. So it's not like what we made mention of, of maybe Risi Competizione going over to Europe and finding a 488 in Europe to build into a GTE car and run at Le Mans. You can't really do that. You know, there's no Bentley Continentals. 
in Australia. There's maybe, I think, one Mercedes AMG. There's one McLaren 720S. There's one Aston Martin. Maybe. I'm not even sure that there is. So you, you can't really run a GT3 event at Bathurst without the international uh, attendance because it just it, it doesn't work on a fundamental level. It doesn't work on a on a resource based level. You don't have the health in the Australian GT landscape to be able to carry that event. So, but I go ahead. I don't know. I, I just I just think that this. Uh, I think once you get to November, if stuff is somewhat, you know, if some of these calendars do go through through their entire length, there's not a whole lot really. Um, I think that's going to be preventing some of these teams to get to mm, Bathurst okay. by February. I just don't. Uh, again, this we'll we'll come up with another podcast in a couple of months, two, three months to probably update, and this will all be different and this will all change. But from where I'm sitting now, if we get even into October, and I mean we get even some of these some of these bigger events, especially IMSA with spectators, I, I just don't I don't see where Australia themselves yep. keeps these teams away, like. Well, um, I, I, but I would think by that point we we you know and it, Le Mans would have already happened as well. So yeah, this is true. Um, um, I, I think the concern for for Australia and Australians is we okay. This is going to be we're going to delve too deep into pandemic chat, but I guess this is uh, my completely uneducated opinion here. Um, in my area specifically, and in a lot of areas of Australia, we only got a glancing blow. So. We're already looking at, we've already had, for example, in South Australia, I think we've had a single case in the last month. So a single new case in the last month. Um, and we're looking at relaxing restrictions and opening up cafes and pubs and all that sort of stuff already. Um, and I think the worry is from a national health standpoint that you want you don't want to compromise that by opening up borders to international travel, especially those areas which are more affected. So I think that's where the concern comes from Australian perspective. And we're already looking at, like like a lot of other parts of the world, we're taking a more cautious approach to coming back to things. So like our sporting leagues haven't started yet. And when they do, they'll probably be behind closed doors. Um, state travel is still, you know, not necessarily uh, restricted, but you do have to go through a voluntary qu- quarantine afterwards. Um, so Australia on the whole is, you know, very kind of, closed off isolated from from the effects of uh this pandemic sorry in a broader sense so i think there's a concern that you don't want to then undo all that good work by opening things up too early um but as as you said in three or four months we could be in an entirely different situation so it might be a no-brainer to get these things going again um yeah i mean time time is on your side you get time to iron out some of that stuff you're you're allowing and again because this is in february it's so much later than probably a lot of other sporting mm. leagues will be especially in australia so the the first couple that might open up might have some issues where you do get public sentiment that is that is not in favor of some certain stuff they might have to shape their act up do some extra stuff iron out the things that clearly are you know that are weak points in how this can be transmitted whether that is a 14-day quarantine for people coming into the to the country, which again, you're nine months out, you know, these teams can work around some of this stuff. And if that is just a restriction and you can still ship things to the to the country, then there really shouldn't be an issue for people, especially again, yeah. nine months out, you can plan around this. So in my again, by in three months' time, if this if the trend stays the same, I'm much more confident that we'll we'll see a lot of teams here just 
just regardless of whether or not you, they should be there or not. Mm. It's just pu- the this public sentiment and almost the global sentiment and, and, and how the public is tolerating this pandemic will shape kind of how a lot of these events will be held and or the confidence of the officials holding the, the races to hold them. So I, I think a lot of that is just is speculation, but we'll know a lot more in two, three months how this is working because yeah, we'll have exactly. just way more evidence of races taking place, of other sporting events, of other people getting together. We'll kind of know a little bit more about it. So. Yeah. And and fingers crossed we get out of this uh, all peachy keen. Um, just an interesting logistical question. Uh, it would be funny to see the supercars or the GT3 cars, for that matter, take the support paddock at, at Bathurst, because you can't really fit both paddocks into the the one pit lane. Like, I mean, Bathurst isn't a small pit lane. You've got quite a lot of garages there, but it's not it's not capable of seating a full 25-car supercars field and a 40-car uh, 12-hour field. So it'll be interesting to see who has to compromise and run in the support paddock for for that race. Might it might actually be the supercars, which would be hilarious. Um, to it would be the, the supercars. It would, it would for sure. It would have to be. Cars. It would have to be. There's no way you can run a 12 hour race without uh, the full garage uh, capabilities, right? And you would be wanting to cater to some of the international teams mm. that have had to endure a lot of of crap <laughs> to get to where they to get to the track and get to that point to be. Yeah, you know, send their cars out. So I think that there, yeah, I think it would go. The GT machinery would get the the nod, and supercars mm. would be in the back. But it'd be yeah, hilarious. that would be very be that would be surreal to watch them kind of come because they would have to pop out at through the, the head through of the, the dummy green, lane, yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of through there, right? And so they would kind of have to almost do a one eighty too to get out. That's that would be so weird. <laughs> oh, oh that'd be so I'm chuckling weird. already. Cool. Uh, I think that brings us up to date with what's going on in this. Uh, this pandemic world that we're now living in. Um, is there anything else you wanted to, to have a quick chat about? Um, seeing as, you know, we haven't actually been going for as long as we normally do when we start, you know, talking about these sort of things. Yeah. Right. Uh, we kind of like succinctly wrapped up like topics. Yeah. This is so unlike ranting, us. rambling. Yeah. It's, it's on, it's, yeah, it's clear, concise. I, it's scary. Um, yeah. I mean, teams that are, uh, planning on, uh, making equipment, um, we, we also got the regulations for uh, L, uh, LMDH, yes. uh, which appear to be pretty um, positive for a lot of potential teams. But again, everything's so fluid. So, um, you know, I, I would already be like, I'm not believing anything. But now you're kind of still like, I am really not believing anything <laughs> yeah. right now. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, some hopeful stuff coming from there. Um, I do want to shelve that conversation uh, for another time because I think instead of having an in-depth technical discussion about everything that's going to be happening with that, I think it would be very, very nice to have a more philosophical discussion on the reasons for why you would have these particular types of regulations. So we'll we'll shelve that discussion for another time because I feel like there's at least two or three other people in our podcast group who would want to get in on that. We'll, we'll keep that under wraps, but it's a very uh, interesting time as well for the Convergence chat on where that's headed, um, provided. Remember, we're going to be starting that uh, with the 2021 season of the World Endurance Championship, which is likely going to start now at the Super Sebring. So we'll be seeing the first Converge, well, sorry, the first LMH race 
in America and then a, a year later being seeing the first LMDH race at Daytona. So interesting times for that looking ahead. Or did you have a, something else you wanted to add? No, I mean, just kind of like just an update wise. I mean, to quell fears, if anybody did have any, I mean, it, it does not appear that this is going to affect a lot of the major announcements, especially at LMH that were, um, you know, proposed. It seems like Lickin House is very, 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 very confident. And they're very bullish, uh, you'd say. Very bullish. Yeah. With their, um, you know, with their design and their strategy, Toyota seems like, you know, they're impacted, but you know, which will delay, it, it seems like it'll delay testing and the rollout of the chassis. But, and people took that to be like that. The whole thing is, is upended, but it's not, it's just like logistical issues. So there'll be some delays with the rollout, but again, they don't need to get anything ready to go really yet. So, um, and then Peugeot seems to also, uh, still be okay with moving forward. And I think they're working with Liche still. So, um, yeah, should be really interesting. And again, really from, uh, a WC perspective, uh, the ones to be concerned with would probably be some of the LMP2 teams, some of the GTM teams, but not really because those seem pretty secure. It would be like the GT pros yeah. um, and just kind of where that goes. Um, but again, that'll be a future discussion. But it just it there doesn't the sky doesn't seem yet to be falling for the entries of the World Endurance Championship. Definitely for the calendar itself, it did. But um, some of the proposals in the future doesn't look to be affected yet by this pandemic yeah. yet. Fingers crossed. And fingers crossed to stay that way because I have already seen, we've already seen in Australia supercars teams fold because of the economic implications and ramifications of the virus. So mm-hmm. it it is not unheard of that we could see something similar happen in IMSA, in WEC, in European Le Mans series, in Asian Le Mans series, etc., etc. Um, so it's it's definitely not unheard of. And I hope that we manage to get all of the teams through this period. So that way, when racing comes back, we do have a full complement of, you know, who was there before. Yep, absolutely. And then also, too, if you're, I mean, they're doing e-racing, too, in our factor, not i-racing, but they're also doing that as well in June. So if you want to get a little bit more of official fix, our factor is a really good platform outside of i-racing. that'll actually have some pretty, it should be some pretty realistic battles and should be some good racing. So it's mm. not like it's an arcade or anything. So that's coming up. At, yeah, that's in June. So that's like in three or four weeks, I think. So they're doing like a, a Le Mans, a 24 hours of Le Mans, an E-Mon? Uh, yeah, it, it looks like Porsche uh, drivers are going to be in it. Oh, Toyota nice. is racing with it. But they're, again, like, so they're like a lot of these LMP1s they're doing. So uh, LMP2 class. Yep. So like the toy, so we'll have like Toyota factory drivers like in LMP two. <laughs> hey, they might even, but like officially Toyota. So they, they might they might even recruit Lapierre to run uh, for the Toyota team. Then, seeing as he's got a perfect record in LMP two at Le Mans. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Fifty uh, fifty cars is the max, and they already have forty signed up. So oh, wow. I'm sure they'll, they'll they'll fill it up by the end, and that'll just be something to to watch in uh, around when we were supposed to have an actual Le Mans. So. Mm. Fair enough. Um, what what are your thoughts on e racing? Have you been have you delved into much of the e racing that has been happening? Have you been what keeping track track of it? Yeah, uh, it was great. Really? Like, 
I mean, you know, yeah, I thought it was fine. I I, thought, I, I enjoyed it a lot just because it uh, there was a lot of, rem, you know, reminiscing in a way of like how it, you know, like of the real thing. And uh, it was really cool. And again, like just from just from somebody that it, like has a lot of these random thoughts and uh, and all this kind of stuff. Wouldn't it be cool to have X, you know, commentators or have them seriously try to to broadcast a iRacing race or something like that that kind of thing and honestly like all of them did a decent shot of it and it was a it was an enjoyable kind of thing because i've i've just i used to watch like actual like uh, competitive uh um sim racing uh, esports no or uh esports too just like even other stuff that kind of thing so i mean i'm kind of used to it but like just from the aspect of like knowing the platform racing in it a lot knowing the ins and outs of it and then but also seeing your drivers you know that kind of thing um interact with it and enjoy it and then also just seeing the production of a lot of this stuff was really top notch and it felt real that was the that was a really cool part of it even though man maybe the racing wasn't that great and it wasn't the real thing whatever yeah that the that was kind of surreal which was you know which kind of overrode a lot of the other stuff so i enjoyed a lot of the ones that i watched and i ended up watching a lot more of whatever i was watching than i thought i was going to um but yeah i, I think it's 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 not going to last but yeah. it was a great opportunity to capture some attention cool you know naturally so yeah um and like and also some controversy as well uh what was it uh, pagano taking out norris in the in the indy 500 race Did you yeah see- and then yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. That whole thing. Um. And, and you know, even uh, what is it? Uh. And then uh, Ferrucci taking uh, someone out on the line as well. Yeah, Ferrucci. Yeah, yeah. But he he's a pos anyway. So. <laughs> but yeah, I, like that was that was disappointing for sure. Yeah. And obviously the Na- NASCAR boys, NASCAR boying. But um, you know, beyond those uh, spouts of horrible humanity, it was uh, it was good. I mean, it was again like, um. I mean, I, I just, I'm always thinking like, it could have been way worse, man. Yeah. It, it could have been way worse. Yeah. You know, we could have been just like every other sport right now, which is, there is just nothing like, yeah, right. There is no news. Like, fine, bad news for NASCAR and that and the IndyCar stuff. But that was still something to talk about. Like, there is literally nothing that you can talk about with any of the other sports right now. Yeah. And you can absolutely see the difference, especially in a lot of the other stick and ball and just um, more common other sports that they're yeah. just yeah they're just not taking it well <laughs> yeah well so. i mean this is like i i've made mention of this earlier this is like the longest off season that we've had as a subreddit because as we've grown we've added more series that we follow you know we started with just wec then it was we we're watching elms as well and now we're watching sro we're watching uh the the feeder series we're watching imsa we're watching nurburgring 24 vln you know regional series and now all of a sudden with it all stopping it's like we're on as a permanent off season it feels like and you just imagine what it must be like for like for soccer where you could go look anywhere in the world any week and there's a league going and then all of a sudden it's just all stopped that must be ridiculous and same for like basketball for baseball in america we've had for footy and pardon me rugby in australia it's just been a, a, a real big sports vacuum i actually think it's surprising how much of an effect that's had on community and on on engagement and on you know culture it's kind of a really interesting study in the way that sport impacts a culture or the value that sport has in a culture because when you think about it what what good is 
is competitive sport in a culture like what what does it do what function does it serve like you know answer answer that question because like i can't really put it into words it's not like it's like it's it's part of like an identity thing it's part of a community thing but really it you can remove sport from a culture and it doesn't really like you could survive without it sure but if you look at how much it proliferate proliferates throughout cultures around the world and how sort of negative and empty it feels without sport i mean i'm not sure for you but for me like i've been struggling i've been finding highlights of races from 20 years ago i've been watching what like the cricket australia page has been posting a full day of a classic match so either a full test match day or a full one day every sunday i've been sitting there with like my eyes glued to it even though i know the result it's like i'm looking for for this sort of outlet that just doesn't exist anymore and it's kind of an interesting sort of uh yeah study onto how how much sport plays a role in some people's lives i mean not only that but it, it also shows kind of the dichotomy between the the general public and the the society that wants a sport or wants to be entertained by competitive play mm. with you know whatever even playing field doing something activity wise you know showcasing x um you know like there's always going to be that aspect where you're you're wanting kind of to uh enjoy a a x thing or be entertained by this and again whether it's a reprieve from life because it's hard or it's tiring whatever and you just you want to be entertained by something i think this really just shows i mean to fans obviously how much like entertainment they get from these sports that they enjoy and watch like from a just not not necessarily like Oh, it's a it's a sports thing, and you could supplant it with something else. But where you're genuinely getting entertained and and getting this positive feedback almost yeah. loop from that specific sport that you're paying attention to, and so I think that's really that's key. It, it also should be a, a wake up call too to some of these um, like uh, organizing bodies and that kind of stuff to go like the entertainment aspect and the ability to uh, you know keep our audiences entertained by putting on the best show that we can is crucial. Um, you know, not only just from the aspect of if we take it completely away for months at a time, we can see the impact on society or on our fans that it's negative, but from the aspect of, all right, fine, everything's the same now again, and we're competing against other people for other people's entertainment, yeah. you know, it equally, we need to do as much as we can to make sure that the people at home are entertained. And yeah you know, obviously not cheap, cheaping the product or anything like that, but there should be that like understanding of like, look at the end of the day, this is, this is 100%, one, not even a question of a doubt in entertainment industry and the, the people in the stands that, you know, the butts in the seats and at home and, you know, watch behind the telly. Those are the people that, uh, you know, for better, or for worse, help dictate and should be dictating how that sport evolves yeah. because ultimately that's where, successful life for some of these race teams or race series yeah not just race teams race series but for like sporting organizations as well um i don't quite think it's just entertainment um for for sports i think there's also a a cultural and a community aspect of it especially for things like maybe not maybe not so much racing although in australia there's definitely the sort of ford versus holden rivalry where so you know everyone picks a side oh there's a group there's a group 
community aspect to it for yeah. sure absolutely yeah so absolutely. like the the local community getting behind their specific team and that sort of stuff i think i think that might be a bit underrated that that the ability to immediately connect with someone specifically over what team they follow or where they're from or where they support um and yeah i think that might be something that uh we see a lot more tapped into once everything comes back yeah i miss sport man it's been like what two and a half months since the australian gp got cancelled on the day and man it's two and a half months is two and a half months too long without sport (laughs) yeah i mean i I, i'm gonna say just it it's it sucks but this is this is the best opportunity that you have to whatever and you know everybody hates this speech blah blah blah, but it's it's just kind of it like do um redo something some hobby that you used to do or do something different new um and especially with the sports stuff yeah learn new skills but even from the sport aspect like what you were doing watching old stuff and how some of these sport leagues are posting old stuff that's really it i mean like if you want if you want to feel a little bit of that the same kick and whatnot and at the same time learn a little bit more about some of the past uh you know of the sport that you're like just watch some of the older matches watch some of the older races like um there is an aspect to it where you know i keep seeing things that i think i've never seen before for the first time and i've seen some of this some of these documentaries and and race recaps and reviews and live uh, broadcasts for like the 10th time um because i'm just insane like that but to that end i mean like you there's always something you new unique and you learn something from it and again it's 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 just new content. It's like a n- another season of your favorite TV show. Just, you know, but oh. you don't really know too much about it. You just know the ending of it. Yeah. So go ahead and watch it. And I'm, they have so many archives available. That's already up in YouTube that are for free. Some of them are high in paywalls. Um, and then I, you know, uh, some of us like to have a ton of collections that we like to share <laughs> too. So it's, uh, yes. Sneaky. you know, I'm just, whatever I can to encourage people, watch some older stuff, whether it's Lamar, um, IMSA, LMS, um, you know, any of that stuff, group six, group C, because um, it, it kind, that of kind of thing. paints the, the more complete picture of where the sports come from. You get to become, uh, sorry, uh, beca- to come, become an observer of the collective history. And speaking of like, uh, they've just chatting out to the people at daily sports car. They've just done a full week reviewing GT one from the nineties through to the, you know, the early 2010s. And they found like a bunch of old, uh, like, round reviews for like all of the races from 1996 to 1999 so i've been working my way through that and boy howdy i said uh, a few weeks ago that uh, i didn't really quite understand the gt1 era because i kind of was before my time and after i was interested in the older stuff but now i get it now after watching some of those races now i understand why that was as bonkers as it was so yeah there's certainly treasure troves to find and to investigate if you've got the time to if you're if you're sitting at home if you're not really uh not able to go to work if you're not doing that sort of stuff that's the the sort of stuff i've been able to do which has been really nice absolutely i mean and there's um there's race reviews too that are up there and and there's been a number of them especially some of the british gt rounds uh, in the mid to late 90s where um i you know i knew the racing was good especially the gt1 stuff but just the dice and some of the cons, just like some of the crazy stuff that was going on in these races and how some of these cars and teams and drivers would win or come back from when championships, like extremely entertaining in terms of like, 
if you don't know too much about it, and I, I don't know a ton about the early, you know, the, the mid '90s British GT. So a lot of this is just kind of like, let's see what happens. And oh, the Lister Storm. That I love that car. And oh my god, it's the fastest car. Like, you know, <laughs> okay, you know. And then you get like, and two. It is nuts too, just from the amount of different cars and like some of these kit cars that people were building back then. You know, there was still that aspect of like, you know, you could build a car and you upgraded, put it out. Yeah, like there was money to be spent in that in that series, but then there was also a lot a lot of money to be saved going other ways to be just as fast. And it was just kind of like whether or not everything was put together right that weekend, you could beat the big boys, and you still you kept seeing that in the in those series. So that's why I think like like watch that stuff. Cause that is a lot of like what we all kind of are wanting and that kind of thing. And I think that helps ground more of our arguments to like, yeah, I want that, you know, cause you can point to things that especially, especially just looking back on it, where it's just, that was fantastic racing. Yeah. And how do we replicate that kind of sport and that kind of racing again? So absolutely. Well, we've gotten close a few times. Uh, I think the LMP one H era is one of the best eras of, racing that we've been able to witness and doing the weekly rewatches that we have done it's shown you know that there are definitely fantastic races that we could have been watching um and i think yeah i think that's just a nice note to sort of end on today cookie yeah yeah wasn't a ton of doom and gloom right i mean hey what you know things are slowly slowly hopefully working their way back and everybody seemed to be somewhat sensible like there wasn't anybody that was doing anything dumb especially like the series or or events or some of the teams like everything just seems to be like they're they're trying to just play this as intelligently as possible which is all we as fans can ask for especially in like a niche series like this like we could have had a lot go wrong niche 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 Um, yeah, thank you for joining me today, Austin. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Michael. No problems. I hope, I hope that buzz hasn't quite gone away yet. <laughs> uh, the mustache certainly hasn't. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, and thank you very much for listening. Uh, I've been Michael Zalavari. Uh, we'll probably have another episode coming up soon with an investigation or a discussion on LMDH and LMH. Um, and if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to discuss or like our opinions on, please let us know. Either, either send us a tweet or find us on Facebook or send us a message on Reddit. Um, yeah, we're not that we're running out of stuff to talk about, but it, it would be nice to be talking about what you guys are interested in. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for listening. I've been Michael Salavari. Peace out. Gazoo. Uh, we should watch oh, that race happen. again. We should totally do a 2016 rewatch. We did a 2015 rewatch. I, I'll watch it. Yeah. I'll watch it. I'll go buy some champagne and orange juice again. I'll, I'll uh, I, still, to go. I still feel so bad about that. You were so excited. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Cookie. Yeah, man. I was, I was super happy, dude. I was, because oh, sh- everything was going to be okay. Bro. That was 2016. So there, there, a lot, a lot really. A lot really went wrong that year. (laughs) 
I'll say a lot a lot went wrong a lot of the years recently, but uh that year yeah. particularly. Man, that oh. year was awful, man. That was that was probably that was I would say like I was I did not understand the gravity of what just happened as much as I did with like Mark Martin lost in 2007 the Daytona 500. Yep. That one I took immediately hard badly. And that's probably the the worst loss ever, but 2016 was like a slow, slow cigarette burn right in your chest. And it just doesn't, it doesn't ever go away. But like that one was rude. I just, I like, I knew what happened, but, but your brain just doesn't catch up. It's just like, no, fully. Like yeah. I knew I was not fully registering what happened because yeah. it was just so, so ridiculous. It's just like, like I, no, no, this can't be happening. Yeah, man. That is, uh, I'm, I mean, I'll watch it again, but like, that is, uh, that's going to be a hard, hard yeah. life. Man. I don't want to watch 2014. 2014 might would probably make me more upset, yeah, than 2016. But yeah. Anyway, should um, we start this yeah. recording? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, really. I'm, I'm in the right set of mood. I got to get back into my gloomy mindset. So thank you. Hey, you did this to yourself. You were the one mm-hmm. who brought this up. No, I'll, I'll unintentionally blame you. Okay, that's fine. You unintentionally blame me for a lot of things. <laughs>